Section 2 of the Uses of Diversity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elsie Selwyn. The Uses of Diversity by G. K. Chesterton. Section 2. Lamp Posts. In contemplating some common object of the modern street, such as an omnibus or a lamp-post, it is sometimes well worth while to stop and think about why such common objects are regarded as commonplace. It is well worth while to try to grasp what is the significance of them, or rather the quality and modernity which makes them so often seem not so much significant as insignificant. If you stop the omnibus while you stop to think about it, you will be unpopular. Even if you try to grasp the lamppost in your effort to grasp its significance, you will almost certainly be misunderstood. Nevertheless, the problem is a real one, and not without bearing upon the most poignant politics and ethics of today. It is certainly not the things themselves, the idea and upshot of them, that are remote from poetry or even mysticism. The idea of a crowd of human strangers turned into comrades for a journey is full of the oldest pathos and piety of human life, that profound feeling of mortal fraternity and frailty which tells us we are indeed all in the same boat, is not the less true if expressed in the formula that we are all in the same bus. As for the idea of the lamppost, the idea of the fixed beacon of the branching thoroughfares, the terrestrial star of the terrestrial traveler, it could not only be, but actually is, the subject of countless songs. Nor is it even true that there is something so trivial or ugly about the names of the things as to make them commonplace in all connections. The word lamp is especially beloved by the more decorative and poetic writers. It is a symbol, and very frequently a title. It is true that if Ruskin had called his eloquent work the seven lampposts of architecture, the effect, to a delicate ear, would not have been quite the same, but even the word post is in no sense impossible in poetry. It can be found with a fine military ring in phrases like the last post or dying at his post. I remember indeed hearing, when a small child, the line in Macaulay's Armada about with loose rein and bloody spur rode inland many a post, and being puzzled at the picture of a pillar box or a lamp post displaying so much activity. But certainly it is not the mere sound of the word that makes it unworkable in the literature of wonder or beauty. Omnibus may seem at first sight a more difficult thing to swallow, if I may be allowed a somewhat giantesque figure of speech. This, it may be said, is a cockney and ungainly modern word, as it is certainly a cockney and ungainly modern thing. But even this is not true. The word omnibus is a very noble word with a very noble meaning and even tradition. It is derived from an ancient and adamantine tongue which has rolled it with very authoritative thunders. Quod ubique, quod semper, quod ab omnibus. It is a word really more human and universal than republic or democracy. A man might very well consistently build a temple for all the tribes of men, a temple of the largest pattern and the loveliest design, and then call it an omnibus. It is true that the dignity of this description has really been somewhat diminished by the illogical habit of clipping the word down to the last and least important part of it. But that is only one of many modern examples in which real vulgarity is not in democracy, but rather in the loss of democracy. It is about as democratic to call an omnibus a bus as it would be to call a democrat a rat. 
Another way of explaining the cloud of commonplace interpretation upon modern things is to trace it to that spirit which often calls itself science, but which is more often mere repetition. It is proverbial that a child, looking out of the nursery window, regards the lamppost as part of a fairy tale of which the lamplighter is the fairy. That lamppost can be to a baby all that the moon could possibly be to a lover or a poet. Now it is perfectly true that there is nowadays a spirit of cheap information which imagines that it shoots beyond this shining point when it merely tells us that there are 900 lampposts in the town, all exactly alike. It is equally true that there is a spirit of cheap science, which is equally cocksure of its conclusiveness, when it tells us that there are so many thousand moons and suns, all much more alike than we might have been disposed to fancy. And we can say of both these calculations that there is nothing really commonplace except the mind of the calculator. The baby is much more right about the flaming lamp than the statistician who counts the posts in the street, and the lover is much more really right about the moon than the astronomer. Here the part is certainly greater than the whole, for it is much better to be tied to one wonderful thing than to allow a mere catalogue of wonderful things to deprive you of the capacity to wonder. It is doubtless true, to a definite extent, that a certain sameness in the mechanical modern creations makes them actually less attractive than the freer recurrences of nature, or, in other words, that twenty lampposts really are much more like each other than twenty trees. Nevertheless, even this character will not cover the whole ground, for men who do not cease to feel the mystery of natural things, even when they reproduce themselves almost completely, as in the case of pitch darkness or a very heavy sleep. The mere fact that we have seen a lamppost very often, and that it generally looked very much the same as before, would not of itself prevent us from appreciating its elfin fire any more than it prevents the child. Finally, there is a neglected side of this psychological problem which is, I think, one aspect of the mystery of the morality of war. It is not altogether an accident that, while the London lamppost has always been mild and undistinguished, the Paris lamppost has been more historic because it has been more horrible. It has been a yet more revolutionary substitute for the guillotine, yet more revolutionary because it was the guillotine of the mob as distinct even from the guillotine of the Republic. They hanged aristocrats upon it, including, unless my memory misleads me, that exceedingly unpleasant aristocrat who promulgated the measure of war economy known as let them eat grass. Hence it happened that there has been in France a fanatical and flamboyant political newspaper actually called La Lanterne, a paper for extreme Jacobins. If there were a paper in London called The Lamppost, I can only imagine it as a paper for children. As for my other example, I do not know whether even the French Revolution could manage to do anything with the omnibus, but the Jacobins were quite capable of using it as a tumdrel. In short, I suspect that cockney things have become commonplace because there has been so long lacking in them a certain savor of sacrifice and peril, which there has been in the nursery tale for all its innocence, and which there has been in the Parisian street for all its iniquity. The new wonder that has changed the world before our eyes is that all this crude and vulgar modern clockwork is most truly being used for a heroic end. It is most emphatically being used for the slaying of a dragon. It is being used, much more unquestionably than the Lantern of Paris, to make an end of a tyrant. It was a cant phrase in our cheaper literature of late to say that the new time will make the romance of war mechanical. Is it not more probable that it will make the mechanism of war romantic? As I said at the beginning, the things themselves are not repulsively prosaic. It was their associations that made them so, and today their associations are as splendid as any that ever blazoned a shield or embroidered a banner. 
Much of what made the violation of Belgium so violent a challenge to every conscience lay unconsciously, in the fact that the country which had thus become tragic had often been regarded as commonplace. The unpardonable sin was committed in a place of lampposts and omnibuses. In similar places has been prepared the just wrath and reparation, and a legend of it will surely linger even in the omnibus that has carried heroes to the mouth of hell, and even in the lamppost whose lamp has been darkened against the dragon of the sky. End of section 2 Read by Elsie Selwyn.